Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everybody, and happy, happy Monday to all of you and yours. It's Almond in the Morning, and it is Common Sense Radio. A happy Thanksgiving week, you nutty nuts. Oh, I know. I was tempted because the weekend was so... Uh, kind of nice to put up the Christmas decorations, but you know what? I've got to, you got to wait till at least after Thanksgiving. I got to figure a lot of people did it based on the weather, but I actually had a great time out at the, uh, Bush brewery and distillery, man. What a amazing thing. Billy Bush was out there yesterday. I was hanging out doing some little bartending here and there and just having a fun time. Saw Bill Eigel out there and saw Mr. Shaw. Mr. Shaw, hello there. Met a ton of great people out there, and this is a beautiful place. Uh, this is uh, right out in Defiance on Benny Road, and it is a beautiful place. Uh, and the food is unbelievable. It's the, kind of this uh, German cuisine. I want to call it cuisine, but it's 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 cuisine, but it's really kind of a rustic uh comfy place. They've got the patio there that's heated and uh pretty soon Billy Bush is going to be doing the um doing whiskey, vodka and gin. He's going to be distilling that down the line, which is why they have the uh uh distillery name in there. And you can go to Bush uh farm uh, dot com where you can find bushfamilyfarm.com is where you can find all the info out in a beautiful place. Hope you saw some stuff on my Facebook page as well. But a great time. Super casual. Uh, you know, you bring, you can wear your baseball cap, whatever it happens to be, but super casual and really great. They're going to be open all through the winter time as well. Unbelievable food. I had some of the chili yesterday. Oh my goodness. It is great. Sausage. They do, uh, they do pork. I mean, it is really some, You'll see the menu right up there on the web at bushfamilyfarm.com. Uh, yeah, Matthew, come on out, man. I'll, well, I'll show you around. It's a, it's a really a, a, a quite the place. And Billy has done a great job out there and some wonderful people. Great festive atmosphere. Wait till around the holidays. So uh, it's really a great place. So check it out. Bushfamilyfarm.com is where you can uh, see on oh, the beer. Nine different kinds of beer. And, and the Gussie and the Adolphus are two really, really good beers out there, but they've got a ton of other ones too. And if you're a stout guy, Irish stout, uh, and they've got the, uh, the, uh, Dunkel, which is really great, but nine different kinds of beer. So the American lager is awesome and the Renee Red is great. And, uh, the, it's just, it's just nine different kinds of beer on tap and it's brewed on the premises. So there's no, nothing going on there. It's, brewed on the premises, and so it's really, really great. So maybe see you out there sometime. Bushfamilyfarm.com is the website, and you can get in touch with the brewery and distillery that way. All right, Saturday Night Live seems to kind of get it on the woke end here, and I don't know, I don't, I, but it's great because they tricked, this is this one little bit in the news thing, tw- tricked the audience 
the woke audience. So basically the way that things move in woke circles and on college campuses that men are bad, right? Uh, even Ma- I remember when I was in college at Madison, Wisconsin, and and you know there were guys who called themselves feminists. They were like the sickest ones of the bunch because they were only doing it because they wanted chicks. And so if a guy calls himself a feminist, I mean, again, we all know how to love women, and and uh, we- and, and we all know what it's like. Uh, to have soft, strong, feminine women around and strong women. So that's no problem. But for a dude to call himself a feminist is you're, you're whacked. Anyway, there was some cheering going on before people were delivered the little, uh, the little stick. Uh, this was funny. A new report shows that the gender death gap is rising with men dying an average of six years before women, which is, yeah. And and of course, that's when he lured him in. Woo, yeah. Men dying before women, six years before women. Woo, yeah. And then once they're lured in, here comes the gut punch. It's actually scientific proof that men are actually dying a little every time we have to listen to your boring-ass stories. <laughs> oh, that, was a, that was a great way to turn the tables on the woke crowd. And they did that all SNL night long. In fact, they had a great one with a tennis match, basically making fun of people who think it's okay to have men compete against women, particularly men who pretend that they're actually uh, women for the sake of having them compete. It's really great. This is really funny, actually. I'll play it for you. Now that we're here, why not? The untold story. Years since Billie Jean King defeated Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes. She shocked the world and stood up to misogyny in the tennis community. But what if I told you she wasn't the first? Another victory for Sharna Lee Diamond. There'd be no Billie without Sharna. There just wouldn't be. She taught girls, you didn't need to play safe. This is for women! She was a brash feminist icon, but the world wasn't ready for that. Ms. Diamond, Ms. Diamond, Ms. Diamond, what do you say to the men telling you there's no place for girls in this sport? If any men out there think they have what it takes to beat me, let's play. No more questions. So, so the, 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 this is great because uh, they, they're, they're setting this scenario up where this uh, woman is want to face off with males, and uh, and really in a in a backwards kind of way, it totally is mocking individuals who think it's okay to have men who cl- who pretend they're women competing. In women's sports, promoters were chomping, and, and I'm, not, I'm not quite sure many people who watch this, especially the SNL crowd. I don't happen to watch SNL, but the people they're catering to, I'm not quite sure whether half of them even got the fact that they were being mocked. The bit to set up a match, and eventually, Sharna found an opponent, the biggest star in men's tennis, Ronnie Dunster. <laughs> Emphasis on <big. laughs> I feel like I was an odd choice for Sharna. Because at the time, I was the largest man to ever play tennis. All eyes are on the Houston Astrodome tonight to witness this historic match. 
so he's about to serve here. <laughs> and, then pe- and people like giving a thumbs up to her like, yeah, you got this. And he's like seven feet tall. And here comes the first serve. So he ser- he serves the, the the ball, and it literally like goes right through her midsection. <laughs> we should have seen it coming. He was three hundred pounds of pure muscle, and she was one of the lowest ranked female players at the time. Did I ruin it? Did I ruin it for women? Hey, Charlie, you all right? There's a hole in her stomach, man. <laughs> Is bleeding and everything else. It's really funny. It was shocking to see how hard Ronnie hit that ball. But what was even more shocking was Sharna not giving up. And by some miracle, Sharna refuses to stop playing. Serve. Again. Serve. What? No, no. This is bigger than you, Ronnie. So he's Are about to serve sure? again now. No, you giant moron! No! <laughs> and now, his next serve knocks her head off. Takes her head off. <laughs> and she's standing there. And uh, like she's just standing, there's blood spurting out of her head and everything else. Charnalee Diamond is the reason there hasn't been a woman president. It seems the uh, adrenaline is keeping her alive, but I highly suspect she will die momentarily. I can't play anymore, right? Because that, w- that, that wouldn't be cool. <laughs> it was definitely the weirdest game of tennis I've ever played. <laughs> Even though she's so anyway, as- you get the point. And, and it's funny, two instances in uh, one night on SNL, and I normally don't cover a whole lot of SNL, but two instances in one night where uh, the SNL kind of turns the tables on the whole woke crowd. Uh, and, and, of course, the subtext of all of this, of course, is mocking this whole belief that it's okay to have biological males who pretend they're women compete in women's sports. It's it's unbelievable. And I'm not quite sure whether whether half the people watching that really got that the joke was kind of on them. I don't know. And and then the other one where they were luring people into cheering for the fact that men died earlier, that was classic. I mean that's 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 like old school SNL. It again is Another indication that I do believe that SNL and some of these other people are finally kind of reading the tea leaves as evidenced by this poll that is nothing short of shocking to me as it relates to the direction that 18 to 34-year-old voters seem to be taking. Our poll says that advantage, at least for now, may be gone. And we talked about younger voters on foreign policy, and it's true on a host of other topics. Disaffected with Joe Biden, we have 46% for Trump, 
42% for Biden among the youngest voters. The youngest voters in the 2020 election were Biden plus 26. This could be a massive sea change. Uh, it is a massive sea change. Well, I guess he's saying it could be in 2024. But the polls are indicating, uh, this poll at least, that they're talking about, and the margin of error is there, so you never really know fully. But anyway, uh, that with voters 18 to 34, 46% of them for Trump, 42% of them for Biden. And when you consider that in 2020, Biden was plus 26 Plus 26 over Trump with voters 18 to 34. And now Trump is four points ahead of Joe Biden. That is that is incredible. That's an incredible turn. And maybe SNL is sensing it. Who knows? But that doesn't stop the Republicans trying to unseat Donald Trump. We'll talk more about that coming up. Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday to all of you and yours. So it appears that uh, the numbers aren't looking great for Ron DeSantis. In Florida, Donald Trump is polling 26 points ahead of Ron DeSantis in Florida. Now, Laura Ingram and uh, her team, they did a little poll in the audiences. Who had a little bit of time to frankly get involved. We want to ask people who they want to be the next president of the United States, of the people who are possibilities, okay, who are out there, possibilities. Raise your hands if you're for Donald Trump. All of them pretty much. Very, very good. There's a few people who aren't in the front. You hold out. You hold out. You're not 100%. Um, DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Oh. There's a clap. Two, two hands and a clap. Okay. Yeah. I guess they figured that a clap would count for more if they just clapped. But there was like two hands and a clap. So the, cl- the clap was, I guess, designed by somebody to try to try to rig it a little bit. Uh, but that doesn't that doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't matter how uh, avuncular you are in your support of Ron DeSantis. It doesn't change the numbers. And I'm not cracking on Ron DeSantis. I'm telling you what the reality is. So. Last week, it was Chris Christie who was positing this idea that Trump can't win, even though Trump is beating Chris Christie. So, uh, and, 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 and Ron DeSantis goes on uh, with Jake Tapper for some reason, and this is how it goes with him. Well, I, I wouldn't be running unless I thought that, that the Democrats would, would beat Trump if he were the nominee. I mean, yeah. So so let me let me ask Ron DeSantis this question, which is unfortunately no reporter actually does when they interview him uh, on the national level. It's like, OK, so you think the Democrats are going to beat Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is beating you. So you're losing in your own party. So what makes you think the fact that you're you're losing in your own party is make you going to make you more attractive in a national election, including to Democrats? Like how how does that compute in your mind? Now these are smart people. DeSantis is smart. Christie's smart. Unfortunately, reporters are too dumb to kind of say, um, "I'm trying to do the calculations here." So you think Trump's going to be beaten by Democrats, but he's beating you. In your own party. 
So you can't win a plurality of people in your own party, but you think Donald Trump's the one who will lose a national election. How does that work? Now, I understand that obviously this is all about choice and that the 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 uh, the, the, the idea somehow, although President Trump, this, this came out the same day that the poll came out with ABC showing Trump ahead of Joe Biden in a national they're election. They're going very easy on him right now. I mean, they're, they're not saying much. It, the minute if he were to be the nominee, I mean, you're going to see uh, scorched earth. You're going to see all the stuff uh, uh, brought up from, from the past. And the whole election will end up being uh, a referendum on Donald Trump. And Biden- Yeah. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think that's a good thing. Uh, because I do believe that in the end, a referendum on Donald Trump will show positive things, not negative things. And of course, uh, unfortunately, and this is what Republicans do, and I don't fault Ron DeSantis for running, but they decide that they're going to go ahead and shovel the baggage the media created and the left created on Donald Trump which is what Ron DeSantis just, just did. They're going to dredge up all this stuff that, that, uh, that what, that was made up by the media, Ron? All this stuff's going to be dredged up. And, and that's why it's so frustrating sometimes when we have these Republicans who will utilize bull crap that has been manufactured against Donald Trump against him. Like, he's, he's in your own party. You're supposedly a conservative, and you're going to play the whole liberal game of utilizing manufactured allegations and charges against Trump against him? I mean, what kind of... I mean, I, again, I don't fault DeSantis for running, but man, run on your own recognizance. Don't don't try to run by, by drink, digging up the the manufactured charges against Donald Trump. I mean, then you're, then you're no better than CBS or ABC news. If you're going to be using CBS and ABC news as ammunition, Scotty's on line one. Good morning this morning, Scotty. How you doing, buddy? Hey brother. Happy early Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. To you too. I think the calculation is that the folks who are running now, DeSantis and all of them, they think, the Democrats want Trump to be the nominee because he is within, you know, he's he's the strong guy within the Republican Party. But on a national level, they think he won't be able to swing the independents, the you know, wine moms, all the folks that uh, tend not to be affected by the economy because of where they are or who they're married to. Yeah. But, Scotty, all those people you just mentioned voted for Donald Trump in huge numbers in 2020. It was actually the Republicans who bailed on Trump in 2020. Right. He had to fight Paul Ryan and the Senate to get anything done because they thought he was a Russian operative. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Two plus years of that. And, uh, you know, this Donna Brazil, this Aunt Jemima, right, who could be the replacement for the uh, pearl milling uh, syrup? Where she gets off making fun of somebody is beyond me. Well, it just goes to show you that the left. I mean, they 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 can be more bigoted 
than the people they claim are bigoted on the right. I mean, you've seen it, right? You've seen it with all the anti-Semites, the liberal anti-Semites on college campuses and beyond and in the media. And now you see like these racist piglets like Donna Brezel, I'll just mispronounce her name on purpose, who are going after Vivek Ramaswamy and telling him to go back home. (laughs) Jamie, the folks who are, I, I, I call them check the box kind of progressives, I would submit that by their nature, they're bigoted and racist because they don't view people on the merits. They view them according to what boxes they check and things that are immutable and that you can't control. And there's no more of a definition of a racist and a bigot than that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Scotty. Great to hear from you, my brother. Uh, appreciate the analysis. And again, uh, if uh, back to DeSantis, if if. If DeSantis's voters, and some of them, they're kind of like Cruz voters who, uh, if it's not them, they're not going to vote. Fortunately, we were able to overcome that in 2016. But if we can just get some of the persnickety, pearl-clutching Republicans, once their nominee doesn't make it, to go for Donald Trump, then he can win. Had they come forward in 2020... He would have won decisively. I still think he did, but he, but it wouldn't have been as close. It wouldn't have been as close. Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday to all of you. It is Common Sense Radio. It's all in the morning. Uh, Jamie Ullman here, really proud to be with you. So these poll numbers that we're seeing uh, right now with President Trump, there are people who continue uh, to kind of promote this old chestnut uh, known as President Trump's toxicity. As we saw with the poll from ABC News that showed 18 to 34 age voters are for Trump, four points ahead of Joe Biden, four points. And when you consider that Joe Biden was 26 points ahead in that age group in 2020, That is a significant shift. And there are people who will continue to posit this idea that Donald Trump is polarizing or toxic. But the four years since Joe Biden became president of the United States has proven that uh, it doesn't matter uh, about these personality things. It's about results. It's about accomplishments. It's about comparing what we've seen the last four years to what we saw the four years before that. Uh, The four years before that, before Joe Biden, we were oil independent. So gas prices were completely, totally low. We had businesses that were thriving from the deregulatory motivations of the Trump administration. We weren't involved in any of these foreign blowups. We weren't involved in sending half of our treasury over to wild goose chases and, and to the military industrial complex. It was markedly different. We didn't have as much rampant crime as as we had in in uh, we have in twenty 
this this last four years. But if you compare every single segment of our life, uh, and even when you do it from the Ronald Reagan standpoint, are you better off now than when you four, were four years ago? The answer absolutely is no. On down the line, with the exception of a few people, mainly if you have stock in Raytheon or Boeing, you're doing great. Uh, but other than that, you know, young people are even seeing it. They're seeing their parents getting second jobs. They're seeing them shut out from a depressed professional white collar job market, and they're seeing the difference. And so, uh, keep in mind, most voters eighteen to thirty four live in a world of toxicity. Every single celebrity they follow on TikTok or Twitter. These all these people are all toxic and all chaotic. So when it comes to Donald Trump, what the hell else is new to them? Uh, and, and, and what I'm saying is, to, for an 18 to 34-year-old, when you call somebody toxic, they don't even know what that means. I mean, for all these old fuddy-duddies around there who are clutching their pearls over Donald Trump's tweets or the way he talks, yeah, toxic to them is like a, is like a thing. But ask an 18 to 34-year-old what a toxic person is, and they couldn't tell you, really. They, they could tell you what chaos is and what uncomfortability is, but, but they couldn't tell you really what toxic means. Toxic is a word that, that people use when they don't really want to have to face up to the realities of certain things. And so toxic is kind of a like a luxury word that people use uh, to to write people off who they can't really explain. Oh, he's toxic. He's he's divisive. He's toxic. What does that mean exactly? And when you have people that you talk to about President Trump and they call him toxic, ask them what that means. A- ask them how that plays out. Because we saw Ron DeSantis say that President Trump was just going to be beset with all this stuff, you know, the so-called baggage that was actually manufactured by the left and by, for that matter, the uh, the news media. And so when, that's not baggage. That's manufactured baggage. That's artificial baggage. Oh, there's so much baggage. I hear that word, too. Oh, there's so much baggage. You mean baggage manufactured by his opponents? Is that real baggage? And when someone says they're afraid Donald Trump is too toxic, ask them to explain that. Because too often, calling someone toxic or divisive, it's one of those words that people will use, and uh, they don't. It's a lazy way of having intellectual discourse really because they'll call somebody toxic and assume that just calling them toxic completes their thought when it really doesn't ask them to explain yeah president trump's toxic and you say really how so how well you know his tweets and he just you know name calls okay who did he? Who's he name calling? What, what did he? What did he do? Well, you know, he called Nikki Haley. I, well, you know, whatever. I, I mean, I don't even. I don't even know what he's called Nikki Haley, but but you know, ask them. You know, okay, and then say, well, what does that mean 
when somebody gives somebody a name. Like, like what, what's wrong with that exactly when you're doing that? Like, how does that, you know, uh, and, and, and then you start to get to this idea that these people, um, really just are listening to other people say it and they're just repeating and regurgitating what they heard somebody else say. Because invariably those words like toxic and too much baggage and divisive are all words that are invented to marginalize somebody, but people don't have to kind of come forth with the evidence. So as we get into this season and we get into this time, you know, I encourage you to expect more from people within your circle who are writing certain people off. Ex- expect more from them and and ask them to be more specific and precise. Like I said earlier with Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens, these guys saying Jews have funded uh, Marxist anti-white ideology. That's imprecise and doesn't really have evidence attached to it. And, and that's part of the reason why we get so upset about the treatment of Donald Trump is that there are insinuations made uh, that don't actually successfully uh, connect the dots. And, and, and that's the problem. They don't really successfully connect the dots. So just saying, yeah, the Jews who fund Harvard fund Marxist anti-white ideology. Actually, that's a leap you're making, but it is not factually uh, defensible because you don't have the facts. And, And at that point, you're just assuming that, well, that Jewish guy is funding white people, anti-white stuff. It's not precise. And I think, I think we should expect uh, people in our realm to be precise, especially when it comes to pretty serious things like, ah, oh, Trump is toxic. Oh, Jews funded, you know, anti-white ideology. It's like, uh, that's, that's not acceptable. We, we've seen too much of that from the liberals. We've seen too much of that from the media that just make these rash generalizations without ever having to back them up. Chad, line two. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling, man. What's going on? Hey, Jamie. How was your weekend? I was good. How about you? Good, good. Hey, a couple of things here. One, I want to uh, bring up uh, Rashida Tlaib and how backward the situation is. <clears throat> now, she's, uh, I guess she's originally from Palestine, but she's representing a district that's 90% black. And I think this is one of the issues that uh, is hampering our, our electorate. Uh, there's no way that a uh, Palestinian woman should be representing a 90% black district because she's been pushing all international issues. I haven't heard one time where she's really discussed anything for her district. It's all about Palestine. Yeah. So she's using, she's using her district basically as a prop to... Uh, to push her own agenda, which has nothing to do with black people. Black people elected her as 90% black in her district, but she's 100% talking about Palestine all the time. Well, yeah, and, and you know, Chad, to your point, too, 
Uh, it's interesting that, that at least uh, she's a congressman a person from the United States of America now, and she represents a suburb of Detroit. And Detroit and the USA are real things. Palestine doesn't even exist. So she's really just promoting some kind of weird ideology and totally a disservice to this area of Detroit that even as Ben Carson and Donald Trump pointed out, uh, needs uh, an economic boost. And she ought to be focusing on how to improve the economies of her constituents. I think you're exactly right. And that's, that's not her agenda. And here's the thing that uh, most people don't recognize, and they really need to start uh, doing more to open the book up and stop just reading the cover. And this is this is what's wrong with a lot of our voters of the day. They're, they read the cover or they allow somebody to read the headlines to them, and they formulate their opinion just on the headlines or the cover of the book. There's way more information that's detailed in there. Give an example. When Talib... When she, she uh, Talib uh, uh, talked about apartheid in Israel, uh, that's a misnomer because everybody knows this. Uh, Israel has maybe eight or nine million people over there, and they're surrounded by uh, Muslim uh, countries. So they they got a smaller bit of land surrounded by millions, hundreds of millions of uh, people of Muslim faith, and they don't like Israel. So when you talk about apartheid, that means you're, you're segregating somebody because of their color, their skin, or something to that effect. But if, if Israel was to say, okay, we're going to open up the electric, the electric to everybody uh, uh, outside of the country uh, that, that can come in, they wouldn't exist. It, it would take one election cycle <laughs> to change yeah. that thing over. No, I, I, so there's no way... There's no way that it's, it's, it's apartheid, but again, they use a black method to try to forge their own personal causes. Everybody knows apartheid, that definition came from South Africa, yeah. but she's using that again. She's, to me, I can't stand a hypocrite, and that's exactly what she is. She's used these racial terms to push her own personal agenda, and she's used black people to get that. Yeah, how, how do you think the Cory Bush race is going to go with Wesley Bell getting involved? Well, he's going to wipe the floor with her because he won a countywide election where she just run a, a, a district which uh, goes into, I think, the city and the county. I think he, he's got very good name recognition. And also, uh, he's going to get a, a tremendous push from the Jewish community as far as an infusion of money. I think Alan Dershowitz even said he wanted to know who was running against uh, Corey Bush because he wanted to make uh, a significant contribution <laughs> or even run an ad or even run an ad for that person. That's how bad they want Corey Bush out of there. So he's not going to be hurt. He's not going to be hurting for money at all. His name recognition is there, and he has not uh, uh, fanned the flames of dissension uh, as much as Corey has. This has been her her hallmark. Uh, uh, accomplishments of uh, basically uh, uh, gaslighting every issue that she comes in contact with. She gaslights it. So she's not really doing anything other than uh, self-promoting. Yeah. Boy, people are really tired of these these folks. I mean, my goodness gracious, it's exhausting uh, having to keep up with their uh, left-wing kookery. It's crazy. 
All right, Chad. And the last we'll, thing. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we'll, all right, hey, no, I'll, no, I'll catch ahead. you tomorrow. That's okay, but what, what else did you have? Well, the other thing is uh, the mayor. I was kind of concerned about her because they brought up some issues of allowing illegals to come into St. Louis by way of Chicago. Yeah. Now, this group has, this group has said that they're not, these people that they're going to fund, is, they're not illegal. Now, uh, if, that's, if, if that's true, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm yeah. very disappointed in uh, Tashara. I wanted this to state legislate, which is Republican control, can stop that from happening because we should, we're not a sanctuary city, so we should not be promoting any type of uh, illegal errors and put them up in any type of situation. Well, you know, uh, I, I'll tell you one thing. That, that's happening out in St. Charles County. They're, they're trying to do the same thing out there. All the left-wing wackos are more than okay with all of these illegals coming in from Chicago the same way, and they're trying to fight it. And believe it or not, out there in God's country, they actually have some resistance uh, to trying to fight it. It's pretty amazing. So we'll follow up on that, too, later this week. But, Chad, uh, thanks for calling the show, brother. Always appreciate right. your insight. Take it easy, friend. All right, you too. That is uh, Chad calling in. Yeah, it's happening out there. Talked to Joe Brazel yesterday at the Bush Family, BushFamilyFarm.com. By the way, Christine Watts Wright, good to see you, and happy birthday. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Monday to all of you winding down here. I want to just leave you with this really quickly. This is what something I've wondered about, uh, and, and I'm not sh- quite sure the accuracy of it, but there's a Mossad chief uh, in Israel basically really saying there's no such it's hard to distinguish between combatants and non-combatants because really there's no difference i mean i've seen video of even some of the hospital workers opening the doors for hamas dragging hostages into the hospital so maybe this guy isn't so far off again one little note the non-combatant uh, population in the Gaza Strip is really a non-existent term because all of the Gazans voted for the Hamas. And as we have seen on the 7th of October, most of the population in the Gaza Strip are Hamas. Nonetheless, we are treating them as non-combatant. We are treating them as regular civilians, and they are spared from the fighting. Yeah. And so Gloria Vanderbilt's son's kind of like, wait, what? General Kim, uh, the, the so 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 yeah. So this is this is the thing. It's like you can't distinguish, and and yet the Israelis are being hugely generous in how they are trying to thread all these needles there uh, in the Gaza Strip, even though most of those people. And this Mossad chief says, like all of them, but but some of those people don't deserve it. Uh, but they're still getting uh, the grace of uh, being aided by the fact that they're pretending just to be innocent little civilians. So uh, Israel, aside, you know, you heard the news today, right? Israel, they're fired into a hospital, according to health officials. It's like, you mean Hamas health officials? You notice the news now has simply dropped the Palestinian Health Authority. They'll just call them health officials now to hide that. Alex, thanks to great. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow.